We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Riggert. It's a pleasure to have you along. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to Sean O'Regan, the women's basketball coach at James Madison, as they sit at 7-2 right now, but he's going to join me coming up in our next segment. Let's talk some JMU basketball, a little bit of football as well with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Hi, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's been, uh, we'll get into basketball here in a second, but it's that time of year. We talked last week about uh, about the transfer portal and how it kind of went crazy last week. The Dukes picked up three commits. Uh, the Elon transfer, Trayvon Jones, just committed earlier this morning. Yesterday, um, Tyson Lawton, the, the running back from Stony Brook, the punter from Arkansas State, Ryan Hansen, did Saturday. Um, it's becoming more of a, uh, a whirlwind right now with the portal. Yeah, and you're seeing JMU kind of do. I think what you'd expect them to do yeah. at this point is they're they're plugging in holes where you know maybe they lost out of a guy or you know just need somebody with experience to come in and be able to contribute right away. And uh, yeah, so so far kind of looking looking good, looking about what you would expect from JMU working the portal right now. I was going to say it seems like they've gotten some really good guys so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like guys that. Um, Similar to people we've seen come into the program before, mm-hmm. as far as you know, their pedigree, what they've done um, at the Division One level, and um, yeah, just fill in some places where they need a little bit more experience. And I'm guessing on, on Friday, Jarvis Green decommitted. He, he said he's either going to pick Clemson or Virginia Tech tomorrow. Uh, I'm guessing that was not a surprise to you. I mean, not once the Clemson offer came yeah. in. I mean, it was pretty clear that uh, you know, being a South Carolina native, that was that was something he'd been kind of waiting for and hoping for was that he'd eventually get that offer from Clemson. I think he said that was his favorite team growing up and everything. And um, yeah, so once that came in, I don't think it was very much of a surprise that he decommitted from JMU the next day. Here we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Sticking with recruiting, Tyshawn Archie, who who is from Spire Academy, he's a Texas native. Um, he was in a, a tournament this weekend in Kentucky and hit a game winner, was named the, uh, the player of the game. And, um, a lot of a lot of videos out just because of the game winner, but I've heard a ton of really good things. What do you know about Tyshawn Archie? Six one, he's a point guard, but he looks electric. He's very athletic. What do you know about about Archie? Yeah, he seems like a kid who um, he kind of fits the um, the Mark Byington mold, where he wants a lot of guys who can play both guard spots. Uh, you know, point guards who can score. Um, he, he seems like he'll fit that role. And you know, I think one thing he said. He had a good game the other day, and I saw an interview with him. He was talking about JMU, and like you know, they're losing a guy. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Bottom Morris, and I can kind of step in and do some similar things. So, um, I guess uh, I guess we'll see when he gets here. Mm-hmm. But uh, it sounds like he's he, he's kind of in that uh, that mold of a a point guard, you know, a smaller guard, but can play the two as well, and kind of be like that scoring guard for for a team like JMU. Well, and one thing, it seems like they've done a really good job in, in recruiting. Obviously, they got him. Um, who's the kid from Florida that they, they just got? Um, the name escapes me as, as we talk. Thank you. Um, I, I think he he looks – I mean, his brother went to Duke. His brother's in the NBA. That, that says something about his bloodlines. But it seems like they've done a really, really good job in, in kind of targeting guys and getting the right guys that fit what Coach Byington does. Yeah, brothers in the NBA and dad played in the NFL. Yeah. He kind of got a, a combination of their two bodies where he's you know a tall guy with uh, with some bulk to him and he can really move. Like, you know, he kind of looks like a defensive lineman like his dad was. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, he, he, he should be a good one coming in too. Okay, we're down with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record and the Dukes getting got a victory on Saturday. We'll start with the men as they picked up a, an easy win over Gallaudet, kind of what we expected. But um, did you learn anything from that game? Uh, you know, I don't know how much you learn from it other than, you know, I think 
for JMU, it's nice to have a game where they know they can get back to establishing the pace they want to play after going to UVA and having to play UVA style of game. And they were very competitive doing that. But um, I think, you know, before they get into a couple more, a couple more D1 opponents that frankly they should be able to beat before getting into the conference play, it was probably a decent, uh, a decent time for some sort of tune up, you know, as much as people kind of lament these non-division one games on the schedule. What did you make? Again, we probably didn't learn much about the Gallaudet game, but take us back to playing the third-ranked Cavaliers last Tuesday. Didn't shoot it well, shot 27%, but hung in there with how they played defense, the effort that they gave. Did you find out a lot about them that night against UVA? I think so. I think that it was like as competitive as it was, really just coming down to the wire. Um, you know, UVA, with their style and the limited number of possessions they play, a lot of times they don't blow out quote-unquote, inferior opponents. But I kind of expected it to be maybe, you know, a 10-point game with JMU being able to be competitive. But I was a little surprised it was a two-point game with a minute to go. And, uh, you know, JMU really kind of had shots within that one. Um, yeah, I think it really just kind of shows their competitiveness and, you know, that they are a talented bunch. That, you know, we haven't exactly known what to make of them because their schedule's been either for the most part, it's either been opponents they've completely overmatched or it's been, you know, top five teams in the country. Right. And it's a little hard to judge them, you know, based on just those games. But I think, I think showing that they were competitive at, at UVA, even if, um, you know, I don't think they probably want to take a moral victory out of a team that they beat last year. But um, I do think that they've got to feel pretty good about where they stand as conference play is getting close. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. One thing that just kind of concerned me after that game is Tuck Molson was fantastic. And at parts of that second half, he kept them in the game, brought them back to, to have a chance in that game. But after that, they didn't get much. And it was the same thing at North Carolina. Tuck played really well. He's a veteran guy. He, he I don't think he gets shook by a whole lot. Bovado didn't shoot it great. He, he had 11 against Virginia, but didn't. obviously he and Noah didn't shoot the ball good against North Carolina. Fat didn't score against Carolina. Obviously, he was under the weather the other day, but then Alonso doesn't score against Virginia. Julian doesn't score against Virginia. They don't make a shot. It seems like Tuck is playing well against the big-time teams, but they need the other guys to step up, and we see that in almost every other game. But they're going to be in games like that, where it's going to come down to a possession here, a possession there. Do they need to get more consistency out of the rest of the lineup after Tuck? Yeah, I mean, I think they do to a certain degree, and it's, it's probably even more concerning if you go back to the UNC game where people were missing a lot of shots. Yeah. UVA is going to do that to people. And, you know, Talk Molson is a guy who, he's probably, probably the number one guy who has the most experience in those kind of environments, playing against those kinds of teams, coming from Seton Hall, where he, he played at Seton Hall. He wasn't just, you know, a guy who was on the bench there. Um, so it's not surprising that he's the one who kind of steps up in those situations. Um, but, you know, I don't know how much you take away from um, from guys not shooting well against UVA because, you know, just a lot of people don't <laughs> no, shoot No well. one does, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you do, like, if they get another opportunity like that somewhere down the line in the postseason possibly, you do kind of wonder who the guy, who, who the next guy to step up is going to be. Is it going to be a better shooting day for you know, one of their three key type shooters, you know, a 
a Noah Friedel or Bono Morse. Those guys are kind of hit and miss when it comes to their outside shot. Uh, maybe, maybe one of them will be happen to be hot next time that opportunity comes along. But yeah, they, they have. It, you're definitely right that it hasn't been. They've been looking for somebody else to step up in, in the in the big games, really. And, and it's guys like Terrence Edwards. I know Mezzi's out. We'll talk about that in a second. But Mezzi, Terrence, Tyree, Alonzo Sule, Julian Wooden, just those guys against different teams or inferior teams or teams just as good as JMU, it's just it, they're fine and, and they seem fine. But then they get sped up or against bigger opponents. It's just it hasn't been the same. And it's only two games, so it's a small sample size. So I don't want to make a big deal about it. But it, it, it has happened now in both these games. So, again, we'll see what happens. And they don't play these teams very often, obviously. So, again, it shouldn't be an issue moving forward, but just kind of has stood out in the two games against North Carolina and Virginia. We talked to Shane Metlin right now from the Daily News Record. And, you know, talk about Mezzi. It looks like we don't know the exact injury. Did have a cast on his hand. Looks like he'll be out for a few weeks. Um, how concerning is that now having him out? Yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I'm, I mean, if. They should, like I mentioned before, they should probably be able to get through their next couple of games before, before having a little bit of a break for Christmas and everything, uh, even if they don't have Messi. But uh, he, he's definitely a guy you like to have back in full strength when you begin this uh, run for conference conference play. And, you know, you're really trying to just set yourself up for for March in the conference tournament and ha- have a high seed and, because – because the way the Sun Belt tournament is set up, it really does kind of reward you for your regular season performance, um, getting a couple buys and everything. Mm-hmm. So you know these early conference games could be huge, and uh, he's definitely been probably one of their most consistent players so far. Okay, we're down to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, and you know. I think Terrell Strickland is close to being back. Hopefully he can play this weekend against his dad. Um, and then hopefully Mezzi can get back maybe before when, when conference play opens up on the 29th. They have not had their entire team together yet. I know Coach Bankton has, has told me, I'm sure he's talked to you about it too, that he's still there's so many moving parts that he doesn't really know his team completely yet. So hopefully by conference play, they can start to get into a rhythm and kind of figure out their rotation and everybody can be healthy at the same time and kind of get going from there. Yeah, it's a little bit of the opposite of last year where they yeah. got into a rhythm early and then didn't start losing guys. And, you know, yeah, this I'm might be sure a good thing. Hoping, <laughs> sure, hoping that they're coming into the Christmas time with a similar record that, uh, that it's the opposite, that they're kind of, you know, building towards something even better, you know, as the season goes along because they're going to get more guys back and they should be able to kind of establish their rotation a little bit more. Yeah, no question. Again, we're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Men back in action Sunday at home against Long Island. Rod Strickland is the head coach of that team, if you didn't know. That is, again, Terrell's dad. Um, Terrell gets to play his dad later this week, and then he gets to play his brother later this year a couple times. He's at Georgia Southern, so it's a family affair for the Stricklands here this year. But the women picked up a nice win over William & Mary on Sunday, 75-60. to We're going to talk to Sean O'Regan, the head coach of the Dukes, coming up uh, later on in the show in our next segment, so stay tuned for that. But, you know, talk about them right now. What do you see out of them? They've, they've won four in a row. Do you like how they're playing? Yeah, I do. They're they're coming together. You know, offensively, they they really made a point. I think to rebound the ball yeah. against William and Mary. I think they were a little disappointed in their rebounding uh, the previous couple of games, um, and they really kind of you know went after it there. Um, they're they're finding other people to score besides Kiki Jefferson, and you know they're going to add Kobe King Hawea here soon. Who you know by most accounts, could even be their best offensive player. 
you know, when she comes in. So uh, they really seem to be getting it together, you know, starting to click as they also get get close to the conference time. And again, they're still without Anna Goodman, so we'll talk to Coach about, about when he expects her back. I think it's going to be pretty soon, but you had Kobe and, and Anna, and I think they've got a, they've got the makings of a fairly deep team with now Peyton McDaniel, Claire playing fairly well. That's It's so nice to see those kids start, starting to really get consistent minutes and play a little bit more consistently right now. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Anna Goodman. You almost forget that they're yeah, without their sure. starting center from last year because they've had so many newcomers in the post who have uh, who played well so far. Um, yeah, they they really should they really should be building towards something. I think they should be extremely competitive once Sunbelt play rolls around. Do you their their defensive numbers have been really good? Again, the schedule is what it is. They've played some good teams, but but their defense has been really consistent so far this year. Is that something that that you've you kind of expected? Um, again, you got the length of Kiki, you got the physicality and the size with Kozlova down low. Jamia is an athletic kid that that can that can really play good defense at times. And then Germond, she's going to be feisty on the point. Do you like how they're playing defense right now? And can this continue throughout the year? Yeah, I think so. And you know it. They're so deep. They've got, you know, a lot of people they can throw at you. And I think that kind of allows you to be aggressive on defense when you're, you're not super worried about foul trouble if you're Jamie uh, on the women's side because, you know, with the exception of Kiki, there's nobody really that, you know, if they're in foul trouble, you're seeing a huge drop off necessarily when you go to the bench. And yeah, they, they have been aggressive on defense. They've been playing that way. And, um, that, that's kind of been the hallmark of that program for a long time. It's something maybe they got away from a little bit in recent years of defense and rebounding. You can keep you in games when your offense isn't, isn't there. And sometimes, uh, you know, especially in women's basketball, you know, frankly, sometimes the offense just disappears. And, um, you know, they've been able to win some games when they haven't shot the ball well. The one thing they're doing, though, they are shooting better than last year at least, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, even, you know, um, here recently, Liberty's a team where nobody ever shoots well yeah. in those games. Those games. It's, you know, it's not the UVA style of defense, but it's sort of a similar thing where you could count on that game being in the 40s or 50s to play Liberty. And, um, you know, they were able to pull that one out. Similar similar kind of situation at BCU, and that's on the road against right. a good team. And they were able to pull that one out. And, um, you know, yeah, they're shooting it better than last year, but they're still also kind of showing the ability to win when it's not their best shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're finding ways to win, no question about that. Again, the Dukes said at 7-2. and two, They've won four in a row. Both teams playing well. And Again, uh, conference play right around the corner. The women have three games. The men have two, and the conference play begins on December the 29th. That should be fun. Again, the women will open up at home against Coastal Carolina. The men go to Georgia State. How about on the women's side? Have you kept up on what's happening on the women's side of the Sun Belt? Not as much, but... Yeah. Um, you know, Troy, I think, is always uh, going to be that team that, you know, I kind of anticipate JMU and Troy being that rivalry, that that matchup uh, in the Sun Belt as the years go on, as uh, those teams get familiar with each other. But, um, it, you know, it sounds like it's been a fairly fairly good start, you know, across the board for the league. There's some good teams and some bad teams, but it should, it should be an interesting when 
when we start seeing some of these teams for the first time. Yeah, JMU has the second best record right now among all the teams. Georgia Southern sits at seven and one, but they've got uh, one of the best records. So the, the, I think both these teams will compete for some belt championships, and then it should be fun uh, come Pensacola time in late February, early March when the tournament does roll around and try and get to the NCAA tournament. All right, Shima man, I appreciate you as always. Thank you very much. We'll catch up again next week. All right, thank you.